Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Won't you join us and lift up your voices this morning?
church no one can stand against our God he's the greatest of all gods and there's no one like him. he's awesome in power thank you Lord Jesus all right this morning I want to go ahead and with the tithe we got a little tithe back here for those that's new with us we got a little box back here you can put your tithe in those online can go to www.bridge.com and go to give and they can tithe there we just had revival here this past week. It's been a wonderful week. Amen. And uh, Pastor Shane did an awesome job. Awesome Amen. job. Awesome job. So I hope he lifted y'all up just like he lifted me up. Because, Lord, that man's on fire, Pastor Frank. He's on fire, I'm telling you. Anybody got any praise requests or prayer requests they want to give? We have a neighbor of ours in the hospital. His name is Jeb um, Goldman. Uh, he is, um, uh, he fell yesterday f uh, and uh, on his face and um, blood everywhere. And um, so they're running tests on him and seeing what's going on. And uh, of course, he is not a believer. Um, so if we could uh, be praying for him and his wife, Marty. Okay, we can do that. We can do that. Anybody else have a... Okay, okay. And I got to hold that little, see that little baby. He ain't much bigger than four pounds now. He's six months old. 
Yeah, but. Uh, if we surviving in the world, we'll be lost in the Amen. All right. All right. God is good. Praise God. He gave me a strength to get out of bed this morning. Thank God. Hallelujah. Um, I'd, I'd like to say, um, first of all, it's really good to be back with you guys and back in the house of the Lord. It's been a long time. Um, <laughs> thank you, Rory. Um, praise report. Um, Thomas and Jennifer got married. Um, they have... Um, they found them a home, and they moved to Beulahville, um, so that's working out real well for them. Um, my oldest son, Alan, um, has been incarcerated for quite a few years. Uh, he's going to be getting out on Saturday. Um, he's had a lot of exposure to God's Word, and I'm just praying that the Lord will ignite the Holy Spirit right. in his heart right. when he hits right. the street. Right, anybody else have anything they want to bring up at this time? My fellow Christians all around the world, my brothers, and uh, serve him and the bro, whatever they do for us. Um, Israel. Israel. Israel, yeah. Is, that's, that's, that's a shocking thing to see on the TV right now at this point in time. Just keep them in our prayers. They are God's people. So, And I also want to just say I talked with Joel a couple of days ago. He's doing better. He's doing a lot better, so you know. Hopefully, he'll be back with us pretty soon too, as well. Pastor Joel, all right. I'll go ahead and pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your house, to come here, Lord, with open arms, to rejoice in, in your presence, Lord, and to worship you. And want to thank you, Lord, for the, my church family, Lord. That's just. As you continue to be with them and those that were lifted up in prayer, Lord, we bring our petitions before you, let you honor them, Lord, and that you give them comfort, Lord, in, the, in their situation and their needs, Lord. We ask also that you be with Pastor Frank as he comes and bring the word, Lord. Just open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, and let us be receptive unto him, Lord, as he brings the word, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.
And aren't you glad he can? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the second book of Timothy, chapter number one. 2 Timothy, chapter number one. Um, I want to invite you to be praying with me uh, for a young man named Cody. Um, Cody came walking out of the woods this morning into our yard. He had spent the night in the swamps last night um, having ran for his life um, in the midst of a shootout. He ran into the woods and got lost and wandered up in our yard this morning and I was just so mindful. Um, I don't know if you've spent much time in the swamps, but I have. And you look rough when you come out of the swamps. And he was covered with mud from his head to his toe. And I was just so mindful of the story of the prodigal son who found himself literally living in a pig pen. And then I was struck by the words of the psalmist David who said that God lifted him up out of a horrible pit and set his feet on a rock. Aren't you glad that God has a heart for prodigals? And I want you to... I only had a brief few moments to talk with him. We took him home... um, Tried to give him some warm clothes and, and, and get him home. But, but, but we did get the seed planted. And, and my prayer is that right now he's considering in the midst of that shootout, if he would have died, where would he spend eternity at? And I'm just praying and believing that God's going to give us another opportunity um, to sit down and, and talk with him. So pre- please be, be praying for Cody. Um, it's good to have Juan, uh, Juan, Wayne and Rhonda and Haley Smith with us here this morning. Um, they are members of the second church that I had the privilege to serve in when I was still a, a green, wet behind the ears preacher down in Rutherfordton or Far City, North Carolina. And Rhonda, Wayne's wife, actually taught my son how to wash his hands in a urinal. So uh, (laughs) kind of an inside joke. I run off and forgot my children at church one Sunday morning. And Rhonda found my son washing his hands in the bathroom urinal. So my, my. First Timothy, I'm sorry, second Timothy chapter number one, we began a good practice during revival that I want to continue. So would you stand with me this morning as we honor and reverence and put into proper perspective the Word of God. Second Timothy chapter number 1. Verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Boy, couldn't we use some of that? When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Father, we come to you today in that name that is above every name. In the mighty, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. We ask you, Lord, that as we open up this word, that you would be pleased to open up our hearts and our minds, to be receptive to truth. May it challenge us. May it change us. We're grateful that, we not, that we're not what we once were, and yet we're mindful that we're not what we could be. And so, God, we pray that you would ignite a fire in our souls this morning. Have your will and your way, and we'll be careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Come, Holy Spirit. For the sake of Christ is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated. I don't think that there is a more pertinent, practical message in season as the text before us this morning. I want to take our thought this morning from verse number 6 where Paul declares under the inspiration of God. Somebody say Paul penned it, but God wrote it. So Paul pens under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to this young man named Timothy, I put thee in remembrance that they'll stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Practical instructions for perilous times. Paul is writing 
to Timothy, his protege in the ministry. And he encourages Timothy, literally commands Timothy to stir up the gift of God that is in him. Now, in order to grasp the concept of the text, we need to put the text in its context. A good rule of thumb when studying the Bible is if you run across the words wherefore or therefore, it's a good idea to back up and see what it's there for. Now, our text is verse number 6, but in order to put it in its context, to grasp the concept of what Paul is trying to communicate, we only need to back up one verse when the Bible says, Paul says to Paul, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and that I am persuaded, I'm convinced that is in thee also. So Paul commends his faith in verse number 5. He tells him to stir up the gift that is in him in verse number 6. And then he gives him the point and the purpose of stirring up this gift in verse number 7 when he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now, he, he commends his faith in verse number 5 and then confronts his fear in verse number 7. So I, I want to suggest to you this morning that even faithful followers of Christ sometimes have a problem with their faith failing. Okay. What I mean is, Timothy is not just a newbie Christian. He's not someone who is immature in his faith. He, he's been saved a while. In, in fact, Timothy was Paul's protege. He would take the torch that Paul was fixing to pass on. Timothy was a man of God. He wasn't only Paul's protege, but he had accompanied Paul in his ministry as he was a, a missionary planting churches, when you see Paul struggling and being thrown out of cities and being stoned, Timothy was there. He was a man of faith, and yet Paul would suggest that he was struggling with fear. Listen. Even the most faithful followers of Christ sometimes struggle in their faith. You, you need to know that. Yeah. So, so Paul is, 
is dealing with this concept of a believer, not only a believer, but a mature believer, a, a pastor of a local church there in Ephesus, and he's, he's literally struggling with his faith. It's an interesting word when Paul says, Timothy, God did not give us or give you a spirit of fear. That's the only time that Greek word for fear is utilized in the New Testament. It's not talking about um, being startled. It literally carries the idea of being timid and even cowardice. So Paul's saying to Timothy, God's not called you to be a coward, and if you're experiencing timidity and cowardice, let me assure you that spirit did not come from God. God did not give you a spirit of fear. But he's given you faith. Paul says, I thank God that when I, I, can, when I remember, when, when I call to my remembrance that unfeigned faith that, that dwelled in your grandmother, and then it also dwelled in your mother Eunice, and Paul says, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded your grandma's faith and your mother's faith, that same faith dwells in you. Two characteristics of that faith that I think we need to underscore or underline is, is number one, it was real. It was genuine. It was biblical faith. It was God-given faith. He said it was un. Famed. The word literally means without hypocrisy. This, this isn't fake faith. Timothy's not some counterfeit Christian. He's the real deal, and his faith is real. Not only is it real, but it's alive. When he said the faith that dwelled in your grandmother, the word literally means to, to live in, to, to tabernacle in. It's the idea of you moving into a home and setting up residence there. How many of you know you don't move into a house with the intention of dying? No, no. He said, Timothy, your faith is alive. It's real. It's living, and it's living inside of you. It's the real deal, Timothy. And yet, he has to address his fear. Timothy, this, this fear inside of you, that didn't come from God. Nowhere does Paul say that Timothy remembers his faith. He said, I remember your faith. When, when I call to remembrance the faith that I'm persuaded, that I'm convinced is alive and active and living inside of you, it's almost like Timothy just needed a reminder. 
that he had faith. And that faith should overcome his fears. But, but, but that's not where Timothy's living at. Timothy's fear is overwhelming Timothy's faith. Anybody ever been there? No, no, no. Now listen, if Pastor Timothy struggled with fear, there's a good chance, a good opportunity that you and I from time to time have had this same struggle and this same battle. In fact, I want to suggest to you that one of the greatest problems confronting the church in America today is there has been a crisis of faith that fear has collided with faith and in far too many Christians, fear is winning the day. Amen. That's where Timothy is living at. Now, now let's face it, F Timothy... It wasn't like he didn't have cause for concern. I mean, when Paul penned this letter, he's literally passing the torch. Second Timothy has been called, called Paul's deliverance of his own eulogy. In fact, in chapter number 4, Paul says, the time for my departure is at hand. He says, I'm ready to be offered. The, the idea is, I'm ready to be sacrificed. Paul is penning this letter from a Roman prison cell. He's already been convicted, and now he is to be killed in a matter of, I don't know, maybe days, maybe before Timothy even receives this letter, Paul is going to be beheaded there in Rome. Because Nero has burned Rome and blamed Christians for the burning down of Rome. The emperor of Rome has unleashed a wave of persecution like the church had not yet experienced until this time. Now, put yourself in Timothy's shoes. Paul is calling him to take the torch. Timothy, you're, you're being promoted to my position because I'm fixing to get killed for doing my job. Well, what kind of a promotion is that? Not many of us signing up to join Paul on the chopping block. And so literally, Timothy would be probably the next person to come into the crosshairs of this emperor named Nero. You see, here's Here's what we're missing in modern-day churches and modern-day Christians seem to have lost sight of is that if fear does not come from God, it does come from somewhere. Yeah. And what I mean is, is, is fear is Satan's strategy to create panic and chaos within the Christian and the church in order to paralyze the ministry that God has called the church and the Christian to. And sometimes, matter of fact, I'm going to suggest more often than not, Satan will use godless governments to instill fear in God's people. 
Satan used Nero, a, a pagan emperor and ruler, to create havoc and chaos within the church. And that's the fear that is gripping the heart of this young pastor named Timothy. Well, the church had experienced a period of relative peace up until Nero burned down Rome. I mean, Paul was arrested in Rome before, and he was imprisoned in Rome before. And when he was in prison at that time, he wasn't worried about losing his life. In fact, he was really under house arrest. He was able to rent his own house and still have visitors and, and still preach the gospel and edify the churches there at Rome. But something has changed. There's been a political and a cultural shift in Rome, and it is affecting even the Christians in Ephesus. Could I suggest to you that there has been a political and a cultural shift in our nation? I remember a time when being a Christian was considered to be somewhat virtuous. Biblical principle and biblical truth was considered to be righteous and honorable. And now, somehow, there has been a shift, not only in our country, but literally, I believe, around the globe to where Christians are not only not virtuous, but they have become public enemy number one. I mean, if you stand for biblical principle and, and biblical truth anymore, that's considered intolerant, and biblical principle is being called hate speech. Yeah. And so many Christians are living in fear rather than walking by faith. Now, listen, I do want to say this, that while all Christians experience these collisions of faith and fear that's not commendable. And it's not God's design for your life, nor is it for mine. So, so what do we do? I mean, when, when our fear and our faith collides, and, and faith seems to be somewhat overwhelmed by our fear, what are we to do? I mean, let's face it. Just look over the last year of your life and answer this question. How many times have you found yourself, though maybe not externally where everybody could see it, but internally wringing your hands, wondering what in the world you're going to do next? We've all experienced it. I'm telling you, Michael, that when... We find ourselves living in a time where when one person gets sick, it paralyzes an entire church. Fear and faith has collided, and there's been a crisis of faith. Amen. And, and, and I just, you know, not in, with an intent to hurt anybody's feelings or make anybody mad, but I just feel like I need to say this morning, the best thing that you could do if you're struggling with fear, is get off your couch and get in the house of God. 
get off of Facebook and get in the book. So what? What do we do? I mean, can we all just admit this morning that that over the last year and a half, we've struggled, had more questions than what we had answers for, sit and hung our head and wondered, is this, is this really how it's going to end? Well, I believe that would probably describe all of us at some point in time or another. And if not, well, maybe you don't need this message today. But for those of you who do, I want to suggest to you that, that Paul has a remedy for our faith when we're confronted with fearful situations and circumstances. What are we to do? Well, I, what about if we just ask Paul? Or better than that, what, 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 what if we just ask God? You see, you're all about asking somebody else. You'll ask the doctors. You'll ask the news channels. You'll see what's trending on Facebook or Twitter and make your decision. What about if we just ask God what to do in perilous times? I mean, when, when it seems like there's chaos and confusion and Nobody knows what's right or what's wrong anymore. And it don't matter who you ask. You get a thousand different answers, but God will never contradict himself. So what does God say through Paul to, to this young Timothy who's sitting there biting his fingernails and wringing his hand and pulling his hair out, trying to figure out what's next? God says, stir up the gift of God that is in you by the putting on of my hands. Well, it just seems like a really simple little statement, but let's try to unpack it a little bit. I, I want to understand what that means. What, what is Paul trying to say on a real practical level? What am I supposed to do when I'm afraid to stir up? Literally carries the idea of actively stirring just like a potty. Anybody have one of them grandmas that don't know how to cook for a couple of people? I'm married to a woman like that. I believe every pot we got is this big around and about that tall. You don't stir it with a spoon. You use a broom handle. And that's the idea. Paul is telling Timothy, man, there's some stuff you got to stir up. The word Stir up, literally one word in the original language, and it literally means stoke the fire. It carries the idea of taking a poker and poking around in a fireplace until a flame comes back. Timothy, stir up, stoke the gift, the fire, that is inside of you. He didn't tell him to create fire. He said, stoke the fire. Stir the gift that's already inside of you. Somebody say, I'm about to get fired up. <laughs> Timothy, 
the fire. Y'all ever do? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, outside of our camper, we got a we got a little fire. I've been itching the last few days just to build a fire in that thing. Listen to me. When 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 your fire begins to to dwindle down, when the flame ain't what it once was, when the temperature begins to de-escalate and drop, you gotta get a poker out and you gotta stoke the coals in the fire that it'll reignite. So he's telling Timothy. You need to stoke your fire. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, Timothy, you need to go to a revival and let some preacher pump you up. <laughs> he didn't say, you need to get up under somebody that's godly and anointed that'll get your fire going for you. He said, Timothy, you need to stir up your own fire. You see, there's some things you just got to do for yourself. You, why don't you stop expecting God to do or some preacher to do what he's commanded you to do? Thank you, Jesus. Stoke the fire, the gift that is inside of you. Now, when he uses the word gift, we're, if you're a student of the New Testament, you know that all gifts that God gives, God gives through his spirit. That's why we call them spiritual gifts. Hey, can I say this? Every believer's got one. Now, Timothy's, Paul makes reference to when it was acknowledged that he had his spiritual gift. Paul said, you remember when I laid my hands on you? And, and you, you received a gift, multiple gifts, actually, in the life of Timothy because Timothy was called to be a pastor. He had to give, have the gift of the pastorate. He had to have the gift to, to teach. And certainly, he had to have the gift of evangelism. Yeah. So how do you stir up? How do you stoke the fire? Paul says it all revolves around your spiritual gift. Paul's concern was that because of Timothy's fear, he tells him in verse 8, don't be ashamed of the testimony, the preaching of our Lord. So Paul said, Timothy, in order for you to get back on fire, in order for your spiritual temperature to rise where it has fallen, you got to get back to doing what God has gifted and called you to do. Timothy, if you'll preach more, you'll get on fire. Timothy, if you'll teach more, you'll get on fire. Timothy, if you would just be about evangelism, you would get on fire. You see, listen to me. You're never going to be on fire for God if you're not doing anything for it. God has gifted all of us with a spiritual gift. You're concerned about the temperature in this building. God's concerned about the temperature in your soul. So he says, stir up, stir up the gift of God. Why? Because God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you see, the exercising 
of our spiritual gifts gives the Holy Ghost something to breathe so, something for, for him to, to light up. Your spiritual gift is like a log for the Spirit of God to light up and inflame inside of you. How many of you know that if you stop doing something for God, it won't take you long, you'll be cold? Come on. And so he tells Timothy, Timothy, you got to stir your own self up. Can't, can't nobody make you do it, Timothy. I can't guilt you into it. But if you get tired of being cold, and you get tired of living in fear, and you want your faith rekindled, get back to doing what it is God gifted you to do. Now, I think that there's a second application to that principle. Because as we know... We all have different spiritual gifts. I, I know what mine are. I hope you know what yours are. But yours won't necessarily be the same as mine. Neither will mine necessarily be the same as yours because God has given us individually distinct and different gifts for this purpose, the edification and the building up of the body. So, so I think here's the application. I'm just my own coal. Billy, Billy's just, he, he's, he's his own little ember. And it's only when those coals come together that the fire can blaze. That God breathes on something and, and causes the fire to burn. A little old fire pit in my front yard. You, you, you watch that thing, and as it begins to die down, and a coal or a ember is left off to the side, it won't be long till that thing will be covered with ash and cold as a block of ice. C could I say this? It's where a lot of Christians are living at right now. Off to the side. I, I, I'm not talking about just the ones that's out of the church. I'm talking about ones in the church too. Amen. You ain't doing nothing with your gift. You ain't going to get fired up. You can be in the building and still be cold. Come on. But, but there's a whole crowd of you that are at home this morning that ought to be here. And you're not going to get hot as long as you sit there and watch the service on your computer screen. God, God has put us together, and, and when, when, we, when we separate, come here, Billy, when we separate ourselves, yeah, I, keep, it, keep it up, keep it up. When, when, when we separate ourselves from one another, man, we begin to get cold and indifferent and arrogant and stupid. Come on. And, and when I'm cold, all I got to do is gravitate back toward the heat. And, and, and you know what I've noticed? That when that coal's sitting off to the side, if you'll rake it on up in the fire, it ain't long that thing will light up again. It'll be burning again. And I think that we're living in a time where God's people need to stop running away from each other and start running to each other and edifying and building up and encouraging one another. Timothy, do you, do you want... 
Do you want to continue living in fear? God didn't give you that. The devil did. Fauci gave you that. <laughs> Biden and Harris, they're the authors. Those people in government that are trying to fill you with fear. They're not your friend, they're your enemy. They just want you cold and indifferent and off to your side where the devil can have a field day, not only with your life, but with your family. Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you by the laying on of my hands. You see, when fear and faith collide, you got to stir your own fire. You, you, you can't expect your deacons to do it, your Sunday school teachers to do it. You, you can't expect your pastor to do it. You need not even expect God to do something that he's commanded you to do. So, so why should I? Well, number one, you are not like being cold. Amen. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be on fire for God. I mean, I imagine that there's a, a point. I don't know where that point would be. But, but you, you know what I've learned? In, in my hot water heater at the house, that thing don't hold enough hot water. It'll run out on you, and you'll be standing there like this. <laughs> ain't even got to move it. just holds your washcloth. I mean, it, 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 it'll, it'll turn cold fast. Oh, yeah. But something happens, Billy. Going from, from hot to cold, there's something that happens in between. And Jesus said he vomits that out of his mouth. It literally makes him sick to his stomach. And how, how could we, by the way, Grow lukewarm on God with everything that God has done for us. There's a lukewarmness that sets in that, that makes... So, so that's reason enough for me. I, I just want to be on fire for Jesus. How about you? Yeah. But let me give you a couple of more reasons. Paul says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. And, and here's the reason, Timothy. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Here's the spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God gives you. It's a spirit of power. Power. The word literally in the Greek is dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. It's the same word that we get our English word dynamite from. Think about what Paul's saying. Timothy... God didn't give you that spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power. He gave you explosive power. He gave you dynamite down inside of you. He gave you his own power in the person of the Spirit of God. That's what's living inside every believer. But you got to stir it up. Power and love. Hey, that's not just something tagged on to the text. 
That's powerful within itself. You ever tried loving somebody like you? The Holy Spirit has given you himself. He's given you a gift that enables you to love the unlovable. To love people your flesh don't want to love. Did you know that the Bible says there is no fear in love? But perfect love casts out all fear. You want to be empty of fear? Get full of love. You want to get full of love? Stir up the Holy Ghost that's already living alive inside of you. But, but the love is... Here's what stops some of us. Because we want philo love. We want brotherly love. We want eros love. You know, we want sexual intimacy that kind of love is something about this agape love that Paul's referring to that Christians seem to be scared of. Because you see, when you find that term agape in the Bible, it's always connected to an action. What I mean is, for God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that kind of love does something more than say something. That, that, that love requires sacrifice and generosity and a giving heart. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming thoroughly convinced that far too many Christians have been coming to church so long to get what they can get rather than to give what they can get. I ain't talking about your pocketbook. Unravel, unwind a little bit. I'm talking about giving yourself. Jesus laid down his life. And that's what God is calling us to do. That's what he's calling Timothy to do is to take up his cross daily and follow him. Don't be talking about how you follow him daily and you can't even follow him to church. Come on. He's calling Timothy to live a life of sacrifice, a life that's willing to take Paul's place on the altar, on the, on the chopping block, if that's what's required to get the gospel out there. Timothy, stop living for yourself and start living for God. Because that's the, that's the life that God inflames. That's the life that God gives his power to. And finally, and I'm done, and of a sound mind. Paul says, Paul says, listen, here's what you get. This is the benefit to a believer that's on fire for God, that's stirred up and actively engaged, utilizing the gift that God has placed inside of him. Number one, he'll have power like he's never known before. Number two... He'll be able to love like he's never loved before. And number three, and of a sound mind. I know some folks who call themselves Christians but have lost their ever-loving mind. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean some folks that, that name the name of Christ and... 
they've been baptized and they uh, hold a membership in a church and, and they still can't tell the difference between right and wrong. Lost their ever-loving mind. Want to wonder why their marriage is falling apart. Because you're running around on your wife. That's why your marriage is falling apart. Want to wonder why they're falling bankrupt? Because you didn't pay your bills and you went in debt further than you should have. That's why you're filing bankruptcy. Well, I just don't know why my kids got pregnant outside of wedlock. Maybe because you moved their boyfriend up in your own house. Listen, listen, I'm trying to communicate this morning that when God's people are right with God, filled with the Holy Ghost, they have a sound mind. The word literally means self-control. Self-control. Well, preacher, I just can't stop myself. Well, bless God, yes, you can. If if, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, yes, you can stop. Well, preacher, I just can't do that. If God said you could and he give you his spirit, yes, you can. You may tell you why I believe it is that I don't even know if all of them are Christian, but, but why some folk seem to have a problem obeying God because they've lost their mind. And listen to me, that, that happens to Christians too, Joe. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm talking about saved folk. Oh, yeah. You let them, listen, I've seen it too many times. You let a Christian get out of the church. You let a Christian m- remove himself from the fire and begin to get cold and, and indifferent. It won't be long. You're liable to find him down there at Brunswick County Jail. I'm serious, calling the preacher, wanting him to bail him out. Uh-uh. Jesus said, you won't come out till you pay the uttermost farthing. Get yourself in there, you're going to get yourself out. Jesus ain't a bail bondsman. Come on. I mean, I'm serious. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Christians right now that, man, they used to be in the church and they were on fire for God and you couldn't ask for a more beautifully structured family full of happiness and peace and joy and contentment and now they've got back out there in the world. Mama's in jail. Daddy's in jail. Kids is on drugs and getting pregnant. Listen to me. That's what happens. When people separate themselves... From the fire of God. Uh, well, I said I was done, didn't I? Does that mean I got to be or I'm lying? I, I want to encourage you. I, 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 I want to encourage you that you don't miss the main point here today. And that is this. God said, stir the gift that is in you. Nowhere in that text, nowhere in the Bible does he say, go build your own fire. In fact, I'm mindful of a story we read about in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Leviticus, chapter number 9 and chapter number 10. They had built the tabernacle. How many of you know when when you go to the house of God, you expect God to show up? 
Well, that was the case. So they went to the house of God. They went to the tabernacle, and Moses instructed Aaron and his sons, the Levitical priesthood, the Arionic priesthood, that they were to offer a sacrifice to God. So they, they slayed the bullock and, and they laid it out there on the altar. And the Bible says when they made their sacrifice, somebody say, I'm about to burn. When they made their sacrifice, that the glory of God appeared before all the people. Can you imagine that? The Shekinah glory of God in a tent. He appeared to all the people and there was a fire that came out from the Lord and consumed the sacrifice laying on the altar. Burn it up, consumed it. Now a little bit later, in chapter number 10, Aaron's sons, Nabab and Abihu, decided they wanted to bring their own fire. Yes, they did. Now, now, now remember, God's glory appeared before the people. His fire consumed the sacrifice, but that wasn't enough. Nope. So they took their censers mm -hmm. and they filled them with what God called strange fire. And they offered them to God, and the Bible says that same fire that went out from the Lord and consumed the sacrifice on the altar consumed Aaron's two sons, and they both died there. Yeah. And you see, the reason is this. When the fire was on the altar came from God, God got the glory for it. But we got some folk, listen to me, we got some folk, if we ain't careful, we'll try to offer God fire that he ain't created. It's just a work of our own flesh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, listen, listen. Anything that draws attention to self yeah. did not come from God, and God's fire will consume it and burn it to the ground. And there is a tendency, listen to me, there is a tendency within each and every believer to make the mistake that Aaron's sons made. To make my gift about me. Come on. To, to, to utilize my God-given gifts and talents to draw attention to... Hey, can I say this? God has never given a Christian a spiritual gift to use as a platform to exalt themselves. Right. Our spiritual gifts should always be employed to edify one another and in so doing glorify God. And, and so I, I'm done. I know I'm 20 minutes over. That's better than the hour I usually am. I want to ask you this morning, and I just want you to be real. I want you to be transparent, not, not with me and, and, and not with nobody sitting in here, but, but would you just be raw with God this morning? And, and, and I want you to answer this question. Are you operating by fear, or are you walking by faith? 
Are you making your decisions based on what some scientist, some political leader, some Christian leader said? Or are you making your decisions based on the Word of God? I wonder if, if there might be one or two of you here this morning that would just be honest enough to say, Pastor, if I'm truthful with God this morning, I have to confess that I've been cold and indifferent. I can look backwards at a time in my life where, man, I know I was on fire for Jesus. And if I'm honest with you, Pastor, I, I might be in the building, but there's something missing. I want to encourage you. Stir up that gift. You ain't got to pray for a new one. Stir up the one you already got. Stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I, I want to ask that there's nobody looking around the building for just a moment. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're joining with us online today. And I would just put to you the same question I had the privilege and the opportunity to put to Cody this morning. And friend, that is this. If you were to draw your last breath on this side of eternity right now, where would you spend eternity at? Because the fact of the matter is, is none of us will live forever on this side of eternity. I don't mean to sound facetious or silly when I say this, but the Bible is true. Yeah. It is appointed unto man once to die. Pastor, I don't understand why so-and-so died. I don't understand why God took this one or, or that one. Listen, it is appointed to all men once to die. You weren't created for time. You were created for eternity. And you will live eternally somewhere. Now my heart and my hope is, is that each of us would be able to say today that, oh Lord, when I leave this world, I'm going to open my eyes in glory. I'm going to live forever in heaven with Jesus and the Father. But I'll never, I'll never take for granted that because people come to church that they're truly saved or born again. Hey, I've seen pastors' families and wives and children saved. I've seen deacons get saved and born again. And so, friend, if, if you're here this morning or, or even if you're joining with us online, I just believe God will save you right there where you're standing, right there where you're sitting. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the, 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 the word confess literally means two things. It means to agree and it means to proclaim. To agree with Jesus about what he teaches, what he says. And he says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That all of us have blown it. That there's not one righteous among us, no, not one. Boy, I'm glad I wasn't the only guilty person, aren't you? But we're all in the same crowd. And that the wage is the penalty of sin. You want to know why people die? The wage is the penalty of sin is death. 
But hallelujah, the Bible does not stop there because the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants you to have eternal life. Somebody said to one of my brothers just this week, God won't have me. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. You want me to tell you how I know God will have you and how I know God loves you because of what God done 2,000 years ago when his son came into this world and died on a cross. The Bible says God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God wants you. And so if you can believe that, that Jesus died on the cross to save you, to pay your sin debt, if you can believe that He rose again the third day and is able and willing and wanting to give you eternal life, you can be saved right now. Right this very minute. You just have to be willing to turn from self to Him. To trust what he's done, not what you can do. Say, Pastor, that sounds pretty good. Sounds awful simple. Boy, I'm glad God didn't make getting saved rocket science. I'd have never figured it out. Maybe that's you this morning. And if it is, and you want to be saved today, I, I, I would encourage you just, just to right now bow your head and ask God, say to God, Father, I admit, I confess, I, I agree that sin is wrong because you've declared it to be wrong. I admit that I have broken your laws, your commands. I recognize that I'm deserving of eternity separated from you in hell. But God, I believe. I believe you do love me. And I don't believe that you want to punish me. I believe Jesus took my punishment on the cross in his name by his blood I ask for forgiveness I believe he rose again the third day and because he lives he can give me everlasting life so I ask you to send your spirit to indwell me to live in me and through me I surrender my life to you thank you for saving me today in Jesus name I pray Amen and Amen during this time of worship the Bible says the author of Hebrews penned these words Tommy said let us you and me let us offer up the sac you want to give God something to burn let us offer up the sacrifice of praise unto God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name
How many of you this morning got something to be thankful for? Won't you raise your hand? May, 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 may this song, may we stir up the gift inside of us that he received the glory he's so worthy of. As we begin to sing, maybe you want to find yourself a place in the altar. Stir up the gift. God, ignite me. A blaze for your glory. As we begin to sing, why don't you come? Why don't you worship? Give him some praise, some thanks.
of the Holy Spirit and the divine providence of God. Think, think about this for just a moment. I know you're hungry. Um, <laughs> buy my lunch and we'll go home now. Um, but, but I want you to think about something just for a minute. To, to wander around in the dark, in the swamp, in the woods all night long, you, you know he had to be, he was afraid when he left the gunfight. What's the chances of all of the houses <laughs> He could have walked up to. He walks up to a pastor's house. Wow. But, but now here's what I want you to take away from that. God puts people in front of us every day. Every single day that need the gospel. They, they don't have to be what we would call the bottom of the barrel. If they've not been saved, they're at the bottom of the barrel. That's where I was. Amen. So God help us not to miss an opportunity. Not, not to. He tells Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That's that's what it's all about. Just go tell somebody about Jesus. Think about the people, Roy. Think about the people that God put in your life to bring you to the foot of the cross. Amen. Billy dismisses brother. Let everything that we do point to you, Father. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.